Okay, folks, so here we are, day two of uh, the Birmingham Games Expo, and I've been very lucky to sit down with uh, Malcolm Craig for a quick chat. Um, so, Malcolm, how's the first day gone for you? Yeah, excellent. It's, I mean, the, the first year of Games Expo last year was a really positive experience for us as part of the collective endeavour, the kind of uh, collective of small press publishers in the UK. And, you know, this year has been, it's been really good. The first day, excellent. Lots of good energy in the booth. Met lots of good people, talking to people about games, about publishing, about design, all that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's been fantastic. <laughs> excellent. Um, and one thing I was just thinking about, sort of, you've got collective endeavour. Um, and you've also got sort of your, your, your own studio as well, which yeah. is Contested Ground Studios. Um, where does one finish and the other one sort of start? I mean, are the two sort of very organic and sort of interlinked, or are they very different businesses? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, the situation with Collective Endeavour, it's, you know, when we come to a, when we come to a con, it's very much a kind of, a sort of beneficial collective of all individual small press imprints. So you have Contested Ground Studios, you'll have Realms, you'll have Box Ninja, all that kind of thing. And everyone has their own imprint, but everyone is there as part of the collective to support each other, to sell each other's games, to demo each other's games and also to talk to people about design and publishing and how they can you know, easily produce their own games. Uh, so yeah the Contestment Studios is kind of the imprint that, that I and my, my friends that are partners in it have and Collective Endeavour is kind of an overall kind of you know, informal organisation that we happen to be part of. And is that something that's just come from Scotland, people that you know up there, or is this something that you know could only happen now? We've got the internet, and it's people from all over the place that have come together. Yeah, I think. I mean, having the having the internet is good. I mean, it came about because we were uh, drunk in a hotel room at GenCon a couple of years ago on on cheap Jim Beam and Coke. That, and that's pretty much GenCon all over, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh, let's not go down that road. Uh, <laughs> what happens at GenCon stays at GenCon. Uh, and uh, yeah, there was myself and Matt Mitchell, Joe Prince, Gregor Hutton, Ian McAllister. Uh, Andy Kenrick and we were talking about why don't we have anything in the UK that promotes independent small press games design and publication and we're like well why don't we try some of that see if we can establish a forum and establish a presence at conventions and see if we can get people interested in that kind of thing so that's how it came about I mean I sort of coming back to Collective Endeavour particularly um, I mean it got quite an astonishing product to come out with I mean any award winning graphic design on a stage won all sorts of awards grabbed lots and lots of attention very very striking product um, and perhaps uh, in the nicest possible way a more traditional style game within the content uh, so forth um, and then, and then sort of quite a change. I mean, that was, was that very much an influence sort of, uh, firstly, was that an intentional statement with A-States to sort of come in like that as the, the new boys on the block and we mean business? And perhaps following on from that question, um, was it sort of a, you know, the Damascus, the road to Damascus conversion when you'd been to Gen Con and seen the indie stuff that you've, you've come away from that perhaps? It was a certain aspect. I mean, when I kind of wrote A-State, that was the, you know, the stuff that I, you know, loved in gaming at the time. I really loved all, I mean, I still do really strong, rich settings. And I think uh, in a certain way, in a lot of the kind of smaller press indie kind of games, there's not as much of attention paid to setting and the value of setting. I see a lot of value in setting. And A-State is a you know, very traditional you know, game. And I think what it offers is a really rich, you know, wonderful Absolutely. background for yeah. playing games in. Uh, I think that's his real strong point. And, uh, yeah, after I played kind of other games that kind of I went, oh, you can do this with a game. And that would be really interesting for, for Cold City. I thought, oh, you know, if I want to do a game that's all about Kind of you know monster hunting, but hidden agendas and trust in Berlin. Why don't I make those aspects the core of the character sheet? Make it the core of gameplay. I thought, yeah. So there was a certain kind of process of you know, finding out more about other games and understanding what you can do to kind of you know, make the game better. Uh, I mean, not kind of 
purpose of saying it, it is better than Eastie because Eastie is a good game for what it does. I, I think they're different animals yeah. in a yeah, sense, absolutely. aren't they? I think you absolutely explained it there with yeah. the, the background and so forth. It really gives you a lot more meat to go at. Yeah. But I think that's very clever, though. I mean, there you go, Cold City. I mean, we know exactly what it is. I mean, it's Berlin. It's 1950. Yeah. The, the, okay, the, the background might not be in the book, but hey, go look it up. You know, there's a million and yeah. one histories out there. But interesting, you know, um, A-State, Cold City. We're moving into Hot War now, which I know is something you're working on at the moment. All cities again. Uh, I mean, is this this quite a deliberate move uh, on your part? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, one thing is I'm kind of fascinated by it. Cities absolutely fascinate me. You know, I love the way they kind of they grow and expand and evolve. They're such, you know, huge, you know, crazy, populous places with all these different kinds of architecture and people from hundreds of different cultures and different places and there's so much going on. And you, you, you walk down a, you know, a street or go down an alleyway and there's a kind of you know, there's a sort of you know, scratched kind of blue door with maybe kind of an old fly poster on it and some graffiti. You think, what's behind that door? What's going on in there? And so that kind of thing fascinates me. So yeah, I kind of my games tend to focus on you know they, they have urban environments because that's what I'm really interested in. So if you if you're passionate about something and really interested, in it, it makes it easier to write about it. And you get more enthusiastic about it. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that also it provides perhaps a, a sort of claustrophobic environment as well. You kind of everybody's trapped into this these alleyways and the sewers and so yeah, forth, and it kind of it's, it's got tension right there, hasn't it as well? And works really well. So I, I mean, again, Cold War. I mean, that has been out what eighteen months now, something yeah, like that. Cold City. Yeah, sorry, beg your pardon. Yeah, it's coming up for I mean, a couple of Jenkins and rolls around. It'll be a couple of years. It's been out, yeah. Right. And um, I mean, has that done pretty well for you then? I mean, I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, not asking figures and things, but um, I mean, can you make a business from this kind of stuff now with with the way the games industry is going? I mean, is there a living to be made from doing it? Yeah, I mean, with small press stuff, and the, certainly the way we approach small press publishing, and a lot of the way a lot of people do now is, you can not lose your shirt on it. You're not going to make a fortune. You're not going to be able to make a living out of it, but you can. Make a small profit and you cannot lose your shirt. I mean, we print in, in very small runs and we sell PDFs. So we print about 200 copies of a game at a time. We also sell PDFs and we, we don't lose our... I mean, we've just sold... Actually, here, yesterday, we sold our thousandth copy of uh, Cold City. Now, people might think, oh, well, you know, D&D sells you know, hundreds of thousands of copies. Well, we're, we're not aiming to do that. For a small press publisher, a thousand copies is pretty good. And we're really happy to talk about our sales figures on the Collective Endeavour website. Uh, all of the kind of the member publishers, you know, put up their annual and their quarterly sales figures saying, here is how many, if you're thinking of getting into publishing your own game, here's how many you can expect to sell. If you kind of go really well, you might get this. Average is this. You know, low sales are this, so we're really happy to talk about these kind of nuts and bolts parts of actually publishing. And uh, something I was just, um, I was waiting around there to come and do the interview with you, and something I noticed, I mean, quite a sales focus as well. I mean, I could see you kind of having a bit of a bit of a briefing there between all of you, what you were going to focus on clearly today, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, do expos you know, play a big part in what you're doing. I mean, you guys are really active at getting out there. I mean, it was an absolute pleasure to sort of wander past your stall yesterday and Greg is there, sort of, you know, people are guffawing and laughing away and really having a great time. I mean, it's a wonderful way to, to sell your product. I mean, I would imagine, does it play an important part? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly for us, the kind of quick-fire demoing kind of aspect of it, being able to kind of showcase your game to someone in about 15 minutes, because someone might be, they come in, they've got a game in the morning, they've got lunch, and they've got a game in the afternoon, so they might not have a lot of time. And, you know... People at a convention, the customer, from our point of view, is their time is valuable. You know, so they don't have. We can't say, "Oh, get into demo; it's going to last an hour." We want to be able to showcase what's best in the game, and that means the customer can make an informed decision. You know, we might go to, "Oh, yeah, you really, you really like this game. You love Cold City. 
and they go home and they go, oh, this isn't really for me. But they can sit in a 15-minute demo and go, okay, uh, thanks for the demo, but that wasn't for me. Like, fantastic, because we've not wasted you know, your money on spending it buying a game that you're not going to like. So, that, that's yeah, that's a really valuable thing. Fantastic. So, I mean, just moving on a little bit, I mean, what about Hot War? Can you tell me much about it? I know we've got a bit up there on the websites and things, yeah, but, uh, yeah. you know, what, what's going to be different from that from Cold City? Where are we moving to? The mechanics going to be different, so what can we expect? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a thema- I was, I'm calling it a thematic sequel to Cold City. It's not, it's, it's set in, it's focused on London in sort of 1963 in the aftermath of a, a nuclear and kind of strange technology kind of war. Uh, so, but there's still kind of like governments and fa- government and factions and all that kind of thing. So it brings in sort of aspects of the 1960s in Britain. Uh, but whereas Cold City is very much about the kind of fracturing and destruction of relationships with trust and all that kind of thing, Hot War is okay. All the bad stuff has actually happened, and now you're trying to rebuild relationships. So instead of having trust, there's more about relationships in the game, uh, and the, it uses the same basic dice pool mechanic as Cold City, but it's a very much evolved version because Hot War is about different things. Uh, so yeah, it's you can have the same kind of almost kind of monster hunting, strange technology kind of stuff going on experience, but you can also have these games which are uh, certainly a lot. Of the playtest stuff we did was about kind of stuff about you know sort of rebuilding communities and relationships and about you know people reconnecting with each other in the aftermath of this you know absolute horrific apocalypse that's taken place and uh, yeah there's some interesting stuff we're doing with the the way we're kind of presenting the setting in it rather than just giving screeds of you know text in it uh, a lot of the the background information is going to be in the form of posters and memos and uh, diary entries and all that kind of thing that are scattered throughout the book so rather than having to sit down and read this big chunk you can look at posters and go oh this government information poster is telling me that so this is obviously a fact within the game so hopefully that'll go across well we'll need to see so we're going to sort of have uh, I mean we're going to be having mechanics uh, so for example something like I know there's games like Bliss First Stage that's out there now which very much focuses on um, that kind of relationship between players and it sort of almost enforces that sort of mechanic in there and gets people to drive things in relationships is that the kind of thing we're going to expect then with, with Hot War is that the kind of line we're taking yeah Hot War is, is very much again about people's kind of hidden hidden agendas I mean they're still another part of it just like Cold City uh, you know what people really want out of, out of their lives what they really want to do or what they're told to do by a faction that they're a part of and also about kind of the relationships whether they're negative or positive uh, kind of a big influence on the game uh, so yeah they, they are quite a substantial part of it. cool it's going to be something to really look forward to I should be there to buy my copy anyway I know that but um, and so talking about thematic sequels um, I see that the other game we've got here that you're sort of putting out for playtest is uh, I Lost My Heart to a Starship Trooper I think inspired by the great Sarah Brightman song from 78 uh, was it I think something like 79 oh sorry sorry I, uh, so is this just harking back to some sort of Legs and Co problem or uh, Pans People is it uh, I'd really rather not talk about that no um, <laughs> it, it came about uh, my when I was over in New Zealand my very good friend over there Morgan Davy uh, was getting engaged and I wanted to give him a present so I thought aha I'll invite him a game and we both have this shared love for you can edit this out uh, <laughs> this shared love for I Lost My Heart to a Starship Trooper by Sarah Brightman and Hot Gossip you can check it out on YouTube quality quality music uh, so I wrote this game for th- three players uh, based on the song where you all play aspects of a character called Sarah 
who is trying to get to Close Encounter 3 with Captain Strange. Uh, and, yeah, and then just decided to kind of, oh, well, might as well do something, print it out, and see if anyone actually wants to play it, because no one's yeah, played it. I really can't see any hidden agendas in that one particularly. I think, um, I think that's fairly straightforward. It's pretty much what you see is what you get. Would you like to play a game where you play a character called Sarah who's trying to sleep with Captain Strange? Yes or no? <laughs> I, I want to play her eyes, I think. That would definitely be me for Sarah Brown. Um, Malcolm, absolutely delightful to talk to you as always. Thank you very much for your time, and uh, we'll see you around, I'm sure. Yeah, thank you very much for your time as well. Hope you have a good con. Thank you. Okay, Thanks. Cheers. Thanks. Um,